This is Be Known, and I'm Kara Faubacher. You're listening to episode 102. We were made for a relationship, but so often our relationships are broken. And when our relationships are broken, we feel broken too. One of our deepest human desires is to be known, but we often have lost ourselves along the way. And this podcast is here to help you get your relationships back to a place of wholeness, a place of authentic connection, where you feel truly known and where your people do too. So come on in and sit a while. Let's exchange fear for love and finally see what good relationships are made of. Okay, so though this episode can be a standalone episode, it's following up with our last episode about how everyone processes information from their life experiences differently, how some are internal and some are external processors, how some process quickly and some need more time. I shared just briefly how these differences can cause conflict in relationships, and today I'll dig a little bit more into that. I get the privilege of working with some of my favorite humans every day, and that in itself is one of the best gifts because work hasn't always been like that for me. We sit together at lunch every day for a whole hour, and we all try to protect that time because it's usually needed reprieve for all of us after a morning of counseling, really hurting and broken people. Sometimes we talk about nonsense at lunch, just funny stories with no depth. But other times we have serious conversations, and I love that it's safe enough for both in that space. One day we had such a good conversation that I immediately went to my office afterward and took notes. It started out with each of us talking about how we process our experiences. Some of us are more external, some more internal, but the part of the conversation that piqued my interest was when we discussed more slower and faster processing and how that often is connected to how people act in relationships. What it seemed like at the table was that some who process more quickly and maybe those who are external processors tend to be the pursuers in a relationship. And the ones who process more slowly and maybe more internally tend to be the withdrawers. This isn't scientific evidence, of course, just my observations from a lunch table. Now, I don't love the term withdrawer because it tends to have a negative connotation, but we'll use it today. The terms pursuer and withdrawer were originally coined by the creator of Emotionally Focused Therapy, or EFT, Dr. Sue Johnson, specifically in the context of romantic relationships, but as you'll see, this pattern plays out in a lot of our close relationships. We need to understand these roles we play in our relationships in order to be able to work through tension and conflict with our people. The more we understand how we feel and what we need and how our people may be affected, the better we're able to repair when something goes wrong. Now, there may be times you identify with both pursuers and withdrawers. Maybe you oscillate between the two things, depending on the history of the relationship. For example, some might have played the role of the pursuer for a while 
and got tired of little to no reciprocity or care and maintenance of the relationship from the other person. Then the person might become the withdrawer, just out of hurt or exhaustion or just protection of their heart. Or maybe even because they've just simply chosen to have some healthier boundaries. So let me give you a brief synopsis of what a pursuer is like. A pursuer in a relationship will be the one who tends to fix problems by maybe giving advice or taking it a little farther and criticizing. They tend to give more ultimatums or plead with someone to change. They can even become a little aggressive in their pursuit and start yelling even at others to get their point across. They will be the ones who ask a lot of questions, most likely. Maybe they're the ones who are making a lot of plans. They can often feel unwanted, disconnected, and even abandoned in times of conflict. They could also feel alone, longing for connection, or like they're the ones carrying the emotional and mental weight of their relationship always trying to fix the problems or get closer or clear the air. They do feel like the only ones who'll bring up anything going on in the relationship, and they also often will feel like they're doing everything they can to get through to the other person, to get them to respond, but the other person just might not respond. The pursuer pursues so much because the distance feels distressing. Maybe touching a deeper fear of abandonment and a general sense of insecurity in the relationship. This can come from them feeling unheard, unseen, or unimportant in childhood and adolescence, or from previous relationships. And those wounds might not have fully healed yet. Feeling uncared for becomes something they simply can't tolerate. It can even feel traumatic. They are often hurting and really sad, but their hurt comes out eventually as anger because anger seems to be the only emotion their people will notice and attend to. Pursuers also feel a lot of anxiety when their people don't pursue the relationship like they do. Y'all, we need pursuers. They help keep relationships on track and healthy and also can be strong communicators. They are also usually committed to doing whatever it takes to make the relationship work. However helpful, their pursuit can also be damaging to others. It can lead someone who is a withdrawer to feel overwhelmed, anxious, frustrated, angry, or inadequate, which then looks like shutting down pulling away, and avoiding, which only feeds into the pursuer's fears and frustrations more. A withdrawer in a relationship often doesn't seem to know in the moment what he or she feels or thinks about a certain situation, will easily turn to despair with thoughts of giving up because no response seems like it will be enough for the pursuer. They sometimes just want to be left alone. Withdrawers can get stuck in feeling like a failure, like they'll never measure up, or they can feel stuck in their distressing feelings without always knowing how to name those feelings in the moment when the pursuer is in pursuit mode. 
they also tend to feel very alone in their pain. And they are in so much pain, they've learned to pull inward, stay silent, get angry, or even leave. Sometimes they'll also withdraw when the pursuer says or does something hurtful in order to protect themselves. They feel unsafe, and they'll often withdraw to feel safe and regulated again. They also turn inward and get quiet, or even leave, to protect themselves from the actual feelings of shame or anger, anxiety or helplessness. They don't want to feel that stuff, and so they withdraw so they don't feel it sometimes. And sometimes they are also people pleasers and will do whatever their person is asking just to keep the peace because the chaos of the conflict feels very overwhelming to them. Withdrawers also want their relationships to be healthy, even though it doesn't seem like it to the pursuer. And they even get to a place where they go on autopilot, essentially numbing their distressing feelings just to do whatever it takes to make the relationship peaceful and functional if it's a relationship of value to them. They can be pretty uncomfortable talking with pursuers about how they feel, depending on how the pursuer pursues. If the pursuer is a little more aggressive, it will be much harder for the withdrawer to have a conversation with them. If it doesn't feel safe to them, they're anxious about how their partner will react to whatever they say. In a similar way, withdrawers have a history of being ignored or alone in their pain, so they've learned to turn inward and not lean on others when they're feeling certain things. It becomes easier than to be constantly disappointed by close others. Withdrawers aren't necessarily avoiding conflict, though sometimes that can be true. They could simply be withdrawing to regulate their bodies, calm down, and reflect on what's going on so they can talk about it calmly and effectively later on. They are the ones who need more time to sit with their feelings and understand the situation. They don't like being pushed to share things they're not ready to share. That feels threatening to them. Their withdrawal, though helpful in the short term for them, can trigger some anxiety, anger, insecurity in the pursuer. It can also lead the other person to feel more disconnected and uncared for by the withdrawer. And then the pursuer will often go to desperate measures to get the attention of the other person, which can feel very aggressive to the withdrawer, like an attack of sorts. Then they withdraw even more. And the cycle continues. Do you hear that? Back and forth, back and forth. But it doesn't have to continue like this. Because this will get people nowhere. Both have their strengths, and this is important. There is not one right way here to be. But in those weak areas, man, that will get people nowhere. It will keep them in these endless cycles. Nothing will change. Nothing will resolve. And both people will continue to feel alone, unheard, angry, or disconnected in the relationship. So how can we start ending these cycles? You may need to have some personalized help with this to understand your specific cycle in your life, but I'm going to give you a general overview of what we can do. 
Number one, recognize that neither is right or wrong in their approach. I just said that. Stop judging your people. Make space for them to be able to respond how they need to, as long as it's not hurting anyone. Pursuer, I'm talking to you first, learn to have patience. Recognize that not everyone moves at your pace and handles things how you do. Give them time. Give them space. They might not be withdrawing because they don't care about you. It's, it's probably something else. So don't assume. Don't assume. Withdraw just because someone confronts a little more often or opens up hard conversations more than you do. It doesn't mean they're unsafe or aggressive or mean, unless, of course, they are those things. They are pursuing because they do care about the relationship. Most of the time, that's true. It could be that maybe it's a control issue on their part, but most of the time they're pursuing because they care. Number two, know your strengths and know your weaknesses. You got to know what role you play, but understand what your role can do for the positive forward movement of a relationship and recognize how your reactions can harm another person too. Number three, know your limits and communicate your needs and know your persons too. Pursuer. Understand that a withdrawer is probably going to need some time, so give it to them. If it helps to put a time limit on something for you to help you not have so much anxiety about it all, okay, that's fine. Do that as long as it's reasonable. You could say, okay, I understand you're not ready to talk about this right now, so take some time to think about it. Can we revisit this conversation next week or in the next couple of days when you're ready? Learn to notice signs that the other person is withdrawing or signs you might be reacting in anger or pushing too hard. Take care to slow yourself down, regulate your body and your emotions, and then come back. Back off those aggressive approaches. You'll shut a withdrawer down really quickly with those because they won't feel safe or they'll feel a lot of shame. Withdrawer, it will be helpful for you to be honest with a pursuer, someone who feels safe to you, about feeling overwhelmed or cornered in a conversation or pushed or whatever it is that you feel, pressured, inadequate. Learn to ask for time and space also to be able to calm down and process when you need it. But don't wait forever to revisit the conversation because that is really, really hard on a pursuer. Honor the pursuer's time requests, and if you need more time, just state that. Be careful not to slip into avoidance. So pursuers, be patient. Try not to be aggressive. Try not to put pressure. And then withdrawers, be understanding. Be careful not to slip into that avoidant place. Okay. Gosh, I know this is so much information, but it's so important for us to understand. So take a deep breath and consider how you and your partner or your parent or your friend or your sibling or whoever, consider those close relationships in your life 
and think about what role you play. Are you the pursuer or are you the withdrawer? Can you identify where these reactions might have come from in your own story? Have you learned these behaviors? Have you been forced into these types of roles? How do your reactions serve you? And how are they serving the relationship? Do you need to tell someone more about how you react and what you need? Do you need to do more work on your own story to break some of the behavioral patterns that aren't healthy? These reactions don't have to break a relationship. In fact, they can be really beautiful dynamics when both parties are healthy and trying to do this well. But these things can be very damaging to a relationship if both people aren't willing to better understand themselves and the other person in order to repair more effectively when needed. So the point is to know yourself and know your people and continue to grow in these ways. Thanks for sitting a while with me today, my friend. I trust that knowing how people pursue and how they withdraw in relationships will help you take a step toward wholeness so you can finally see what good relationships are made of. And just to end today, as always, I'm going to thank my friend Robert Hargrove for creating our beautiful music for the show and renowned media for editing. Until next time, I'll see you soon.